is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 247 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Wednesday evening and joining me for the second time in only a couple of weeks here, my good friend, good friend of the program, Ryan Wilson. What's up, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm splendid, uh, as always, uh, or not as always, but as, <laughs> as of right now, for sure. Uh, sure. For people who missed it, a couple of weeks ago, we did an Eastern Conference, a sort of team-by-team rundown of what's transpired this offseason, a little bit of analysis for every team and sort of just bounced around. And I promised you guys then we would come back and do the West. And uh, here we are. A couple of things have happened since then, but both of those things happened in the East. So we're pretty safe uh, Good. You know, with, with the Kyrie Irving trade hanging over everything and the Isaiah Thomas physical, all those things. We can pretty much avoid that, though, on this podcast, which is very nice for those of us who've been doing this uh, constantly for about a week and a half now. So, Ryan, uh, we'll just go through the teams, man. Uh, it's Western oh. Conference. This is something that you do. You love the Western Conference. So I love the West. It's great. It's a great place. Great place to be. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, and nobody would necessarily, uh, Ryan, uh, for someone who lives in Atlanta, no one's more dedicated to the West Coast than Ryan. So uh, this is uh, perfect. <laughs> this is sort of right up his alley. So uh, I guess we'll kick, kick things off with the Dallas Mavericks. We'll go in alphabetical order here. Uh, the one thing uh, sort of of note recently with Dallas is that Nerlens Noel uh, settled and signed for the qualifying offer of $4.1 million. That was uh, kind of a big surprise based on the fact that he, a lot of people thought he'd get like a near-max contract this offseason. Aside from that, all the, all the Mavs really did was draft Dennis Smith Jr., who I like quite a bit. And uh, not, really a ton of else, uh, not really a ton else going on other than they lost Nick Persino, who's now on the Hawks. And uh, also they took on Josh McRoberts' contract, but not, not a ton going on for Dallas outside of Dennis Smith Jr. and this weird New Orleans Noel thing. What was your first reaction when you heard about the Noel thing? Is that was sort of pe- some, one thing that sort of blew people's minds? It seemed really weird um, because Dallas really wanted him. And I remember Mark Cuban and, and uh, Rick Carlisle kind of raving about New Orleans Noel being like, this is our guy. Like, this is the center that we've been looking since Tyson Chandler. And then come the off season, there's this many month just kind of holdout standstill where they're not really trying to give him really too much of anything. I mean, obviously the restricted free agency is always kind of a weird one. And I would say that happens, I'd say maybe once or twice every summer where there is just one guy where no one decides to touch for whatever reason. And Noel seems to be that guy. Uh, this year and it was very unusual to play hardball with a 23 year old center who seemingly could play in the modern NBA where he's this kind of you know a, a rim protector and a guy that you should covet and and so for them to play hardball it's very unusual but I mean I guess I get it yeah I mean side the, the reporting out there that he had this that he turned on this four-year 70 million dollar contract 
it, if that's true, and then we if that was presented to him at any point, you know, I understand maybe on July first, if it was like a sort of a take it or leave it thing, that he would leave it. But if that was available any time after that, and they turn it down, they obviously made a big mistake because, you know, I'm actually at this point in the in the calendar, uh, I'm kind of cool with Noel taking the qualifying offer just because. I'm sure there wasn't a huge deal out there for him. Like it's sort of the debate of whether you. I'm sure he could have gotten like a four-year, fifty million dollar year, something like that from the Mavs. Uh, it t- takes sort of a pretty big discount for the security. But um, you know, if if something else, if something like this, like the four seventy wasn't out there for him, taking four million now, it's definitely risky. I get it. If you know the risk, if you're Noel, especially a guy who's been injury prone in the past, like hasn't made the t- hasn't made a ton of money. Obviously he's made several million dollars, but it's not like a situation where he's already had a big deal. He's still super young. This is his first big contract. Um, and he didn't really get that big contract. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with him next summer because uh, there aren't going to be a ton of teams with cap space based on what we've seen and all the uh, sort of cap estimates and stuff like that. So I'm intrigued by him. I wanted the Hawks to sort of poke around with him early on in July before they actually had some cap space. They obviously never did that or at least didn't uh, do that publicly. But, um, you know, I thought it was interesting. I'm kind of okay with him taking the qualifying offer now, but uh, it's definitely a situation where he doesn't look great in terms of uh, if that reported offer was true. Um, The other thing, of course, is Desmond Jr., who I love. Um, I was advocating for for, uh, DSJ as a a sleeper rookie of the year candidate before Summer League, and now everybody seems to be on that train because he was great in Vegas. Where are you at with him? I know he's sort of an exciting guy who people really liked um, from this summer. Yeah, he, I mean, he obviously uh, people were going to lead in with his amazing vertical leap and how explosive he is and all of those things, uh, which, you know, you should definitely don't bury the lead on that. Like, that, I mean, he's going to be a highlight reel. Um, definitely a person that you would want a dunk contest just projecting forward in terms of that. Uh, in terms of his play, he, I mean, you know, he seems like a pretty good player, but I don't know how that guard rotation kind of shakes out in the larger scheme of things. Um, they have guys signed to longer deals and there are guys out there that may, I f- maybe feel like are competitive or maybe even better uh, debatably, like just kind of like kind of going forward with that. So I, I, I like him. I it was a good pick for where they got him. I mean, obviously he kind of fell into what nine or something like that. Um, but I don't know how they're going to kind of bring him along in terms of the rotation. Yeah, it's, it's a big question with, with Rick Carlisle. You you would think that Smith Jr. would be the would be the point guard to start the season. They do have Seth Curry. They do have Yogi Ferrell. Uh, they do have your boy JJ Barea around still. <laughs> the six um, foot JJ yeah. Barea. The worst tight listing in the entire NBA is JJ Barea. Something that Ryan and I have long joked about. He's about five eight and he's listed sure. at six feet, which is always funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Smith's the best guy in terms of talent, uh, obviously, but Carlisle's reputation with point guards has never been uh, squeaky clean. You know, we the, the Rajon Rondo thing did not go well in Dallas. There was some Jason Kidd weirdness back in the day, um, and then those, and those, guys, those guys were vets too. So, uh, yeah, Darren Williams, same way. Yeah, Darren Williams, of course, doesn't get along with anybody. Um, to be fair, um, in terms of That's reputation, fair. but yeah, sure. Dennis Smith also had some stuff in college where like there were at least some question marks about his makeup. I think so those have sort of faded away a little bit, but his college team did not play particularly well this year. And I'm not sure he was to blame for that, but there was some, uh, some, uh, I don't know, attitude stuff there with him as well in college. So that's the big question is how he'll fit in with Carlisle, but I love the talent. He's a, he's, he's a monster and Dallas is interesting. Uh, we're going to do it. We're definitely going to do it over under podcast, uh, later on in the summer, but, um, Dallas over under is not not that, not really that of a playoff team. I don't think this is going to be a playoff team, but uh, an interesting team if, not, if nothing else, especially if they stay healthy. Because you know, Wes Matthews, Harris Barnes, they have some talent. Dirk is still around. Um, they're not going to be awful by any means, uh, but Smith's going to be very very important to them long term for sure. But even short term, because 
They don't really have that upside guy. I mean, Harrison Barnes was actually quite good last year, but he's not going to take it to another level, I can't imagine. So if they break through this sort of glass ceiling, it's going to be with Smith at some point in the future. I like him, but we'll see. Uh, how do we get through an entire Dallas uh, preview without mentioning Dirk Nowitzki? I mentioned in passing, I like Dallas. Uh, I like Dirk, of course. Dirk is a uh, 1,000 years old. He took a discount. Again, he's cheap. He's still great. Uh, he can't move anymore. He can never move, but it's like really, really bad now. He knows it. He makes fun of it all the time. Dirk's a delight on Twitter, by the way. Like he is really, yeah. He's he's tremendous. He's just kind of that. Um, he understands what who he is at this point. He knows he's old. He makes fun of himself being old and uh, his, sort okay. of his old his old fashion from the day. He'll he'll sure. he'll tweet out an old photo of himself and make fun of what he was wearing. He's kind of uh, <laughs> he's kind of that old head now that just like. Yeah. Is uh, he knows the deal. He's still really effective. You know, defensively, you have to hide him a lot. But man, he can still really. I mean, not that this is breaking news, but he can still really shoot it and fill fill the box score offensively. So, super valuable, man. It's sort of a weird spot. I almost feel bad that the team hasn't been better recently, just because I agree. I was just about. I was just about to say that. Where I was just like, I, I feel like the last four years or so, I feel like they kind of did him a disservice. They're just really like a lot of you know. Ever since they kind of stole that championship away from okay well i don't want to piss anyone off from dallas but they <laughs> where, where they won they earned the championship away from miami there you go i'm back uh where they won the championship for miami ever since then it was just kind of been like a rotating door of like mix and matching of these players who have no really long-term future or anything like that i feel like he's kind of the constant there and just kind of looking back he's been the consummate team player in that regard never kind of complaining obviously he had reason to complain um but i I just felt like the twilight of his career just could have been handled a little better personally but i mean mark cuban's like a really good owner so he, he 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 guessed wrong in that regard but you know he's trying so Yes, for sure. And uh, by the way, as we're recording, some breaking news that is no longer breaking when, when you listen to this, but I'm going to say it anyway on the pod. Uh, the Kyrie Irving trade is finished, apparently, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, and re- have you seen this yet before I uh, no. prompt you? Finished, okay. it finished in terms of like, oh, it's happening or finished in terms of it's dead? It is happening. Uh, and uh, Boston is including another asset. I'm going to make you guess which one it is. It's, it's nothing uh, – it's not Jalen Brown or J- or J- or Jason Tatum. Let's just say that. What do you, what do you think of this? One more, one more uh, uh, is it a draft pick? It is a draft pick. Is it uh, is it their draft pick for like this year? Nope. It is. Uh, we can do this all day, but it is uh, the tw- it is a twenty twenty second round pick. Twenty twenty. So we basically, in short, just did uh, eight days of uh, posturing and stories for a 2022nd round pick that could be, because it's Boston's pick, could be the 57th pick in the draft. Could in be. And there may not be like a world around <laughs> more at 2020. Oh, I feel like, I, you know what? <laughs> I just wanted to hear your reaction. So there's that. Uh, it's I know, impressive. I know that's not Eastern Conference. I mean, sorry, that's, that's, that's not Western Conference, but it did happen as we're recording. So there's a little window into our minds right now. Um, all right, let's move on to Denver here. Uh, the Nuggets had a more busy summer than the Mavs for sure. They added Paul Millsap, of course, on a two-year, sixty million dollar contract that has a team option for year three. Um, they have they traded uh, down in the first round, um, sending 13th overall pick to Utah for Trey Lyles and the number 24 pick. Um, and they also lost uh, Danilo Gallinari in a sign and trade. And Mason Plumley is uh, still a free agent. He's one of a handful of guys who are all in the Western Conference aside from Nicole Miritich who are still 
restricted free agent, so uh, not a ton to talk, talk about there other than the fact that he's just still on the market. So, I mean, the headliner is most out, especially on this podcast, because uh, obviously he's been a member of the Hawks for quite a while. Um, that deal was interesting for on a number of levels. The Hawks didn't offer him a contract. At least that's what Millsap had said, and that's been what's been widely reported. But it looked like it was pretty good value for Millsap there. Did you like that deal for Denver? Um, for what Denver is trying to do, which is make the playoffs and be competitive again, absolutely. I, I feel like um, they're trying to boost. A, like they have basically like a youth movement going on with you know the Gary Harris's. Um, the Nikola Jokic, uh, Moutier to an extent, the Jamal Murray's, like they have these like pieces in, um, maybe me, Malik Beasley, they have these guys in place, but at the same time, it's like you need kind of to bridge the gap because they were maybe a couple of games out of the eight seed last year. Um, they kind of just fell flat towards the end down the stretch and they felt like they need to make a splash. They have been sniffing around other, other players in previous years. I remember they famously took a, uh, a meeting with Dwayne Wade and now how much he was actually trying to go there, but they were making themselves as a player in terms of like people trying to come there as a destination to play and be good. Um, so for them to go as aggressively after, and I think that they were linked with Paul Millsap last summer. They were, there was some trade stuff there when Millsap before the uh, Dwight Howard thing kicked in, there was always the rumors about, um, Al Horford coming back and sort of playing with Dwight Howard for a couple days there, and they were talking about Millsap uh, being a trade target, and uh, Denver was one of the teams in the mix. So yeah, they've been linked to him before. I don't know how serious that was, but that was something that was definitely out there. So yeah. So that being said, so when they got like they kind of went after him and it made a splash. Usually with teams that don't necessarily have like a like a destination like a like a like a Denver, for example, you may have to overpay a little bit um, to kind of just basically sweeten the pot versus like. Uh, another team that may have maybe a winner or something like that, but you're versus what you're trying to do versus where other teams have gone already. Um, So when he left, it didn't shock me at all. I can see that there were like building blocks in place and he would want to do that. Um, Mason Plumlee uh, kind of back to what I was saying about Nerland's Noel kind of in that same boat of it's kind of out there just treading water. Not, not really no like not, not an offer. Like he should probably, follow the, the same lead and probably take the qualifying offer if possible. Yeah, I mean, I, it's got to be out there. I can't imagine why he wouldn't take that at this point unless Denver has a standing offer that's better than that that he's weighing. But for all these guys, especially Plumley, I think is not as intriguing, for sure is not as intriguing as Noel or even Jermichael Green who we'll get to later with Memphis. He's more of that, uh, I think he's definitely a pure role player. I'm not sure he's even a starter. I think he probably isn't a starter. He's more of that like third big type. Um, so, any money that's on the table for him, I, I would be taking right now if I was Mason Blumley. But uh, the other thing I want to say about the Nuggets is that I absolutely hated that trade that, that they made on draft night when they traded 13 for Trey Lyles and 24 and then took Tyler Lydon. Um, Lyles is okay. I just don't know why you do that and then sign Paul Millsap um, because Trey Lyles is just a guy, I think. But he's definitely a power forward, and he's kind of buried already before they even did that. And it seemed like he was like a big part of that trade was to go get Trey Lyles, and now he, like, I'm not sure how he plays much. On this team, and then yeah. they picked Tyler Ladden, who is pretty much the same player as Trey Lyles. I don't really understand that transaction in general. Just take take somebody that's better and high end, more high end player. I would I would just stay put, stay put, taking like OG Ananobi or something like that, um, knowing that Denver is so deep that whoever they drafted probably wasn't going to play this year anyway. They have guys like like you mentioned before, Malik, Malik Beasley, like can't get minutes on this team, and he looked great in summer league. He probably played for a lot of teams in the league, but they're so deep. They have like 12, 13 guys who can really play. 
on this team, and it's not like they have incredible players necessarily, aside from Jokic, who is obviously really good. Um, but it's, I thought it was, that was just a weird thing to say. I feel like at least I should say that I hated that transaction, although I did like them, the fact that they, that they drafted Monte Morris, who is one of my sleepers. I, I like Monte Morris quite a bit. Sure. Uh, unrela- I mean, un- off uh, back on Denver, but different player. I don't understand the clamoring for Jamal Murray. Oh, I'm actually kind of with you on this. I think I probably like him more than you do, but it's just whether you whether whether you think he's a point guard or not, because there's this experiment now that's out there where they think he's going to make the point guard of the future. Okay. Um, I don't think I don't think he can really do that. But you, you kind of have to buy him as a point guard to like him as much okay. as people seem to, because if he's not a point guard, he's a, like a six two six three shooting guard that's not a great athlete. Like I'm not sure that guy works. And they yeah. have Gary Harris, who Gary Harris is better than Jamal Murray right now, at least. And so they have Moutier. They have Moutier. They they still have Will Barton, who was really good two years ago, and has, is like basically Barry. They have Malik Beasley. It's, it's kind of what I'm talking about. They have so many guys that they almost have to try um, Murray at point guard, at, but at the same time, like I'm not convinced it's going to work. So that's the big question with this team: if there is one, is point guard. Um, it's at least mitigated a little bit because Jokic plays so much sort of point center. He has the ball in his hands quite a bit in the high post and like sort of facilitates more often, but they still need somebody to play. They still, they still have um, Jameer Nelson too, who Mike Malone likes quite a bit and they use a lot for reasons. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. It's That's a big question. I'm kind of with you. I think I'm lower on him than both. Sounds like you are too on Murray. I'm not, I don't hate, I don't hate him at all. I think he's a really talented guy. I just, he's just not a great athlete. So he almost could be more of a six man type, which isn't a knock on him. If you're a good six man, where he was drafted, that's probably fine. Like if you if you turn into like a different sort of Lou Williams type of player, that's like a high end six man scorer type. That's that's really efficient, but really doesn't guard anybody. That kind of guy is kind of what I think Murray's going to be. But people love him though. There's people that really really like him. I'm not really there though. Yeah, people are really high on him, and I feel like from what I've seen, obviously I'm not catching like a super like a like a ton of Denver games, but like in spots where I feel like Beasley, I feel like Murray and Moutier are all pretty much fighting for the same position, which is uh first guard off the bench. Um, I view all of them about the same, like none of them are in my head, like what I'd want in a starter. Like I probably like Moutier the most, but I know that he's six, five and has issues tr- like finishing at the rim, which is unusual um to to be obviously he's probably the worst shooter of the three yes he's he's um, definitely the worst shooter of three let me tell you that right now yeah well, it's just i mean is that a stretch i feel like it's not a stretch but he's the worst shooter of the three but i feel like somehow he's probably the better playmaker of the three so it's like it, it's like there's all pieces of this like what you would want as a ideal point guard but none of them actually fit that role and i feel like i'm interested to see how that's going to play out with their with, with their year, I mean, this uh, upcoming year, because, I mean, they lost um, Gallinari, which I don't think is, like, a huge drop-off. Like, I mean, he's he's a good player, but, like, Wilson Chandler, I feel like he could replicate, like, a good bit of that. Um, Kenneth Reed's around. Will Barton, I like. Um, they've, been but, to, they've been trying to move Kenneth Reed for two and, like, and a half years. Feels like it, and just, he just doesn't have a market. He can't shoot. Yeah, he's a weird player. He's he's sort of the guy who gets uh, marginalized more in today's NBA than you might believe. If he was around ten years ago, people would love Kenneth Freed, and uh, now he oh. just got him as a guy that without a position. He's kind of a center, and he's six seven, so that doesn't really yeah. work. Um, but I don't know. Denver's going to be interesting just because 
you have to tell me who plays point guard. I mean, and there's some guys that have some skills, but uh, that's the big question if you want to pick them apart for this year. It's a really talented team, but they do have uh, a little bit of a hole there to some degree. Um, yeah. All right, let's, let's go to Golden State, which should be, should be pretty easy because we all know about the Warriors. But uh, Kevin Durant takes a huge discount. Steph Curry signs the five-year max with no options. So it's he's, it's a straight five-year max, which is a little bit interesting. Uh, they add Omar, they, they add Omri Caspi and Nick Young on super bargain contracts. They bring back JaVale McGee and Zaza for very cheap. They buy the pick that becomes Jordan Bell. Um, so in short, they did a lot of really good things. They only lost uh, Ian Clark, Jays Michael McAdoo, and Matt Barnes. So not huge losses there either. Uh, anything to say other than this is an absolute win of an offseason again for a team that didn't even need it? Uh, yeah, how do you overstate that? I, I, I mean, I love Jordan Bell. <laughs> Same. And, and so for him to fall into that team is pretty much the perfect perfect spot. I, I've always thought that Omar Caspi was pretty good. Like, I feel like he's been miscast in a lot of bad teams. New that Orleans, is a high big contract. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Caspi's like a guy that people that, like you and I, they're diehards really like, and he's not this like flashy player, but like they got him for basically no money. And like, he's like their ninth man and he can yeah. defend and he can shoot. Like, what else do you need? I mean, Nick Young, I actually didn't love the Nick Young. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's get into this really quick. Well, it's not that I didn't hate it either. I just thought like they gave him more money than they gave all these other guys. Like they gave him like, was it, I think I think it's like $5 million. Yeah. That's which right. isn't like, it's not, a, it's not an overpay for Nick Young. I just thought no. they don't, that's like the guy they don't really need is the pure offensive shooter type that doesn't really do anything else. Because Nick Young, I guess, Tried more defense last year in, in LA and got some love for that from Luke Walton, but like he was passable. Yeah, like, and he's fine. You know, he's he's gonna play for them. I think he's better than Ian Clark, and so you just basically just say, right. hey, "Hey, Nick Young, here's Ian Clark's minutes." Okay, that, that's that's an upgrade. He's better than Ian Clark, so I, I and, sort and of also get that. feel like I feel so, I also feel like Nick Young is going to be more open than he's ever been in his career. Oh, I mean, and the thing is, Nick Young is going to shoot forty four percent from three or some preposterous that's, number because if he it, yeah if he just shoots when he's open. Like he's a, he's a really good shooter, and he's going to be so open. So yeah, it's going to work, quote unquote, yeah, because right. he'll just be open all the time. Yeah, it was a weird one though. But I mean, you can't overstate how how much of a win it is to have Durant take less so they can keep Iguodala. You know, they they, they probably overpay for Iguodala in terms of years, but who cares, honestly? Yeah, they like, make so much money it doesn't matter. Right, you need to have him. He's a he's a linchpin. Sean Livingston, I feel like that was something that I, I wasn't sure if they're going to be bring him back, um, but obviously they did at like twenty four like, million yeah, or something. Three, three like for twenty four, it's totally reasonable for him. He does stuff that they need. He's this honestly. If Curry ever gets hurt, um, Livingston like becomes their backup point guard. Essentially, that's the way they've operated the last couple of years. Whenever Curry doesn't play, is they kind of go to Livingston as like a twenty five minute a game point forward type because yeah. he can do that. Um, yeah. And that's one. I mean, that's that's sort of an unsung value of his. But he can do that. He really, you know, his post game is like legendary at this point. He defends. Absolutely. He's super smart. Great character guy, et cetera, et cetera. So like, that might be an overpay too in this market, considering what everybody else got. But like, those guys are they need them. And you know, the, at the end of the day, they didn't make any bad signings, and they got better somehow. I would argue that that might that might have been the best team of all time last year, and they got better. Yeah, uh, it's weird when a smart team handles. It's a smart team. They win the championship, and then they go into the offseason and make smart moves, and they win the offseason. Like usually, something derails 
it's hard to do. It, it's not it, people say, "Oh yeah, they're that's what they do." Like no, no, no. Like it, it's hard to maintain a good franchise for, uh, you know, a year, a calendar year. Things go wrong. <laughs> people, people get selfish. People make terrible decisions. People get overpaid. Some people, uh, you know, the disease of me. Blah 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 blah. But they made, they got better, and and they should be the odds-on favorite to win again. Oh, yes. There's no question about that. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on them because we all kind of know the deal with the Warriors. Uh, let's, let's go to Houston, which is super-duper interesting because of the Chris Paul trade. It was like a lifetime ago, but uh, just for people's reference point, they traded uh, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, a 2018 first-round pick that actually now the Hawks have, um, and a bunch of weird contracts, like throw-in guys for Chris Paul. Um, on the day before free agency, so it was a super weird situation. But at the end of the day, they flip a, they flip a few guys and get Chris Paul for a year and the right to have his bird rights for next year and pay him. Uh, they also got Nene to come back on a cheap contract, although there was some weirdness there with the over thirty eight rule that was kind of amusing. But they ended up working that out at the end of the day, and they signed PJ Tucker to four years and thirty two million with a partial guarantee on year four. And of course, there's the mellow stuff is out there, although mellow's not come just yet. Um, so we'll talk about what they actually have done. I, obviously, the headliner is Paul. People, uh, at least people that follow me on Twitter, know. I think people listening to the podcast know that I love Paul unconditionally. So I cannot be objective on this. But wh- what did you think about uh, the move? To go, the move to go get Paul. Uh, as a not a Chris Paul guy, I, I've swung the other way. It's still a great move. Like you got to do it. Like you, you upgraded it pretty much every position. Like I mean, every position that you needed. Like you. Like Patrick Beverly is a good, a really good like point guard. Is he a starter? Mm, maybe. Like I, I don't know. But you know who is definitely a starter? Chris Paul. He's on the short list of of best point guards in the last fifteen years, uh, at least, or at least in the league. And then you can expand out to the last fifteen years. You ab- if you have a chance to get these kinds of players, you absolutely have to go for it. You know, and and figure out the the fit later, um, which is kind of what Houston's doing here um i like the move i like the pj tucker move even more even though they have trevor reza the more wings you have the better they signed Mba mute why not you know um they retained in um the bench might be an issue you know they 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 don't really seem very um deep um just kind of shuffling all all the players they did out and, you know, losing Lou Williams to an extent was kind of a blow, but I mean, bench scoring, I guess, but it's kind of weird uh, because like they do seem sort of shallow, but at the same time they have, I mean, they've got eight guys for sure. I mean, they're not, and really not, if you count in Bob Mute, they have nine guys. Yeah. They're like real players um, with uh, just in short, uh, Clint Capella, Nene, Ryan Anderson, Trevor Reese, PJ Tucker, uh, and Bob Mute, Harden, Gordon, and Chris Paul. Like that's a pretty good nine. Um, the problem yeah. is after that, that's that's all they have. I guess their tenth guy is probably Tar- Tarek Black, who was yeah. decent last year in in Los Angeles. But they don't really go beyond that. So like it's a weird situation in that a lot of the, like Golden State's got twelve, thirteen guys. Uh, even the like it's kind of funny. The Hawks, the Hawks ten through fifteen is better than the Rockets ten through fifteen. Um, which is funny for a team that's going to be pretty bad this year. I think we all kind of all agree in that on the Hawks. But uh, the Rockets are good. But if, you're right, though. If they have an injury or two at, at, a, at a position where they can't afford to lose guys, it could get ugly in a hurry with some of the replacements. But that's sort of a rich man's problem because they have so much talent. So we'll see. I mean, I, I mean, 
I guess it would be one of those things where I was thinking uh, just a moment ago where, like, if Chris Paul goes down, you know, with a, with a minor injury, I was going to say that they don't really have a lot of guard depth. But obviously James Harden leading the league in assists last year seems to be okay filling that role for a little bit. Um, yeah, it just they just have, like, a lot of guys that, that they have a couple guys that, I, I, I never trust Eric Gordon. I never trust Ryan Anderson in terms of like health. They put together very good years last year. I don't trust Nene. Um, health wise, they have some guys that it could go south. I mean, it went well last year. It went perfect last year, all things considered. But I, I feel like if there, there's you know one or two guys that they may not be able to replicate. Yeah, I'm actually with you on that. I think. I'm huge on the Paul acquisition, and I think him and Harden will work because they're both very smart, especially Paul. Yeah. I mean, Paul, and, and the fact that I think it's underrated at this point that Paul is like an absolutely elite shooter. So, like, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. Uh, the big question is whether he's okay with not having the ball in his hands. So, that's that's sort of the overarching question. But I like that part of it, but I'm with you 100% on the, on the rest of it in that I think a lot of things went right for Houston last year that aren't guaranteed to go right again, especially Anderson. That's the big one for me is that Anderson stayed healthy. Um, when he's healthy, we know what he is. He's a good offensive player. That's a bad, he's a bad defender. It's probably a bad contract, but if he's healthy, he really helps you offensively. Um, but if he gets hurt, they don't, that's the other thing they don't really have is a natural four behind him. They have guys who can play the four, you know, Tucker, Tucker's played the four in the past. Um, and Bob Mutick could probably play the four, but, Aside from that, they don't really have that natural guy at the four. If Anderson got hurt for a while and he has a track record of being hurt a lot in his yeah. career. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, again, uh, the depth is an issue. I do like Houston quite a bit, and I like the move for uh, Paul. They gave up a real price, and then I guess it would, it would have been a real risk, and they, they would have had no way of getting the space to get Chris Paul without trading all those guys away. But we could sort of bridge into the Clippers here because the Clippers are the next team in, in line, which kind of is convenient. But the Clippers did about as well as anybody possibly could have done um, in a trade, knowing if you told me that Chris Paul was going to leave in free agency, the Clippers did as good as they possibly could have done just in terms of that transaction and getting all those pieces back and all those like cost control pieces back too because Beverly's cheap, um, Sam Decker's a really nice value, Lou Williams had a great year last year, is pretty darn cheap, Montrezl Harrell's a cheap guy, they got, they, they got the pick that they later spent on the Gallinari sign trade, but... Still, like they did really, really well in that deal, and that sort of was where their offseason started. Can I double back just really quick and just like a really quick yes, question fire. to you? And it's a yes or no question, and we don't have to get into it. Do you think the Houston Rockets will make it out of the second round now that they have Chris Ball? Uh, ooh, yeah, I think I, I would have them second, so yes, I think they're gonna. I think they probably will, but the problem is, as we talked about, like if they're healthy, yes. But okay. that's a big question. Fine. So, okay. And they also could do the mellow thing in midseason, which is that would be something. Relevant. That would be something. Okay. Um, uh, Clippers. Yes. Um, I looked over everything that they have done. You're absolutely a, like absolutely correct. If you ever have a star leaving, I feel like you would look to the Clippers and say, "Fine, how did you guys do this?" Like usually, you get like two or three like pieces that you're just like, I want nothing to do with these people. They're never going to play. They got like really good pieces here that you can actually use, which is very hard to do in a superstar kind of trade. Um, but for me, when I look at the Clippers in the offseason, the two things that I look at are, uh, one, Doc Rivers is no longer the general manager. <laughs> 
and two, Jerry West is involved in decision making or it, some in some form or another. Um, I'm not a doc guy. Uh, I've never been a doc guy. As Rock Rivers. Yeah, I, I'm not a guy who trusts him as like a GM duty. Like I feel like he was maybe thrust into that because of their terrible owner before. Um, but it, I, I think that that's a bigger deal in terms of going forward. How do you make smart decisions? Not having your coach be your decision maker. I feel like across the league we're finding that out. Like you can't be a coach coaching now and looking three years into the future. It's hard to do that. It's almost impossible, but some people can do it. Most people can't. But back to the talent. Lou Williams, like you said, really good player off the bench. Patrick Beverly, really good. Sam Decker, I don't really have an opinion on. I feel like he he's a talent. Like he, he can play. Um, can we talk about the fit between they retain Blake Griffin? How do you feel about that? Um, it's an overpay. Uh, it's really risky yeah. because it's five years of a guy who – it's not like Blake's old, but Blake isn't that young and he has all the injury concerns. Like this is one of those deals that could go really bad in a hurry. If Blake is healthy, it's fine. Um, because he is when healthy, a max player. There's no question about that. But, um, giving a guy the five year deal at 28, um, when he has all these, all this, all these health, all these health scares and injuries and weirdness is not ideal, especially because I'm not sure Blake's going to, is going to age all that well because he's relying on athleticism, I think he'll be a good player for the duration of the deal if he's healthy, but that's sort of a big risk and also sort of prevents them from being able to rebuild because that's the one knock, uh, you know, in losing Paul, they probably, I'm not saying they would have been better served rebuilding. I would have argued that would have been a smarter path than what they actually did um, post-trade. I think I, I would not have paid Blake. I would have gone the other direction, but I, I get it. I mean, they, they, got, they got a new arena coming. They don't want to bottom out. They're going to be a playoff team-ish this year with DeAndre and Blake and Gallinari. I, I don't love the Gallinari-Blake fit at all either. That's I another problem. To ask you. I was just about to ask you, if you commit to Blake, why would you then go get Gallinari, who was essentially a four as well? Like, yeah, I, I just don't know, how, I don't, I don't know how they guard anybody with, with those. Like, if your three best players are DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and Danilo Gallinari, like, how do you play defense? I, I, I just don't, in today's NBA, I mean, offensively, I think it, it can work because Gallinari can really shoot, and Blake is really good with the ball in his hands and can, can kind of create off the dribble um, in a way that a lot of power forwards can't. But defensively, I just don't know how that works. I mean, most teams in the league are playing small ball, especially at the, especially at the end of games, and if you're going to throw out your best lineup with those three guys, I mean, it helps to have Patrick Beverly, who's a really good defender, and I guess i don't even i don't even know who they're shirt i mean austin rivers maybe we, we'll be austin, a shooting austin rivers is involved yeah I mean, they have lou williams but you can't possibly play lou williams with those guys because then you're never gonna guard a soul i love lou williams he's one of my favorite players um but lou can't guard anybody um so yeah it's interesting man like i would not have done the gallo thing if you told me that you were gonna have blake too i just don't like the fit there you know the contract's fine for gallo to be honest yeah. in the vacuum i thought it was okay and they got off Jamal Crawford. I mean, they, they had to trade the uh, the pick that is now with the Hawks to get off Jamal. But Jamal's salary was really bad, so I understood that. But I don't know. I don't love that fit. The talent they have real talent, I and mean, they've got they've got five six guys who are real who are real players. And if they're all healthy, this is a play, this is a playoff team. I just don't know how the pieces all fit right now. I don't think that they do fit, and I don't think this is a playoff team personally. I'm not going to pick them to make the playoffs. I don't think because of all the risk. 
you know, you're talking about Blake, Blake's, Blake's injury history. You're talking about Gallo's injury history, which is really out. I mean, it's not like Gallo's ever been like really, really, I mean, there's the one major injury, but he usually just plays like 60 games, which yeah. is okay. Except for the fact that if you, ha- if you, if you miss him and Blake for extended periods of time, um, you don't really have that natural shooting guard. We talked about, you know, both Austin Rivers and, and uh, Lou Williams are both sort of size challenged. So yeah. I don't know, man. The pieces don't fit. I'm with you. It wouldn't blow me away if they finished, you know, somewhere in the six, seven, eight range in the in the West if Blake stays healthy. But if Blake misses thirty games, they're not they're not making the playoffs. They're just not. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think if I had to pick it, I'm gonna I would probably leave them out in favor of teams like Denver. I think Denver's gonna be better than Los Angeles this year. Um, but if you if you promised me Blake played seventy games, then that's a different conversation. I just don't believe that necessarily. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our Geico bill with the Geico app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the Geico app. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, from, from one side of Staples Center to the other, um, the Lakers are very interesting as usual. They're not going to be good, I don't think, but they, uh, they have Lonzo Ball, they have Kyle Kuzma, they have my boy Josh Hart, th- those guys that they drafted in the first round. Um, they also signed KCP for the one-year sort of parachute contract, and uh, the headliner aside from Lonzo was the deal that sent D'Angelo Russell and Timo, and Timo Mozgov to the Nets for Brook Lopez and the first rounder that became... Kyle Kuzma, uh, and they also lost Swaggy P, which uh, sounds funny, but he actually was pretty good for them last year. So I don't know. I'll just open it up to you. What do you think about the Lakers offseason in general? I, I like Lonzo. We could start there if you want to, but sort of a weird one for the Lakers, even if they're probably better now than they were before. Uh, definitely better than before. I, I think that obviously getting their own pick, kind of you know, Having the second pick overall is a godsend. Um, that's always great to have. Um, you, you getting Lonzo Ball, who the guy that you've always that you wanted, you know, or they wanted him, or they wanted the Lakers, or however you want to. I don't want to get into the dad stuff, but it, they, <laughs> they shouts to Levar Ball on this podcast. Uh, I'm not rolling, but anyway, I'm, I'm with you. 100%. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. But they get him. Obviously, he's like a you know a. a seemingly a, a generational talent you know in terms of his vision and everything like that you get rid of d'angelo russell um, more importantly you get rid of mozgov you take back brooke lopez um in his he has a shorter deal you get paul caldwell pope um you get another year of brandon ingram kind of progressing he he was okay last year i i didn't re- i mean he's i mean he's what 18 19 so like he played like he was just out of college. I mean, he, I think from what I remember reading before, he shot like 29% from three, 40% from the flea. It's not where you'd want to be for like... He was uh, very bad. Uh, yeah, he was just bad. Like, I mean, but you know what? He He's young. You know, he can grow into it. No, I'm not going to just label him as a bust and keep it, keep it moving. Um, they'll be better, but I don't really know how Brooke Lopez fits with the rest of that team. Um, yeah, I would be if I'm if I'm the Lakers and uh, knowing that this year is not going to be a playoff team anyway. I am looking to move Brook Lopez as quickly as possible. Um, you know, Brook is still very good. I just 
I'm kind of with you. He doesn't really fit the rest of their talent a whole lot, considering his lack of burst, athleticism, that kind of thing. He's definitely more of a ground-bound, uh, slow-paced type of guy. He can shoot a little bit, which helps. Uh, he shot the ball really well, actually, from, from the perimeter last year in Brooklyn. But I'd be trying to move off of him uh, midseason, if possible. Um, I'm sure you can get something for him, because he's still a quality player. They can really help a lot of teams. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, everybody else is sort of younger on the timeline, you know, between Randall and even Larry Nance Jr. and Ingram and even guys like Clarkson, who I don't like much, but um, he's around and they're committed to him based on the contract they gave him. Uh, you know, and I like Josh Hart that they that they uh, drafted. I like Kyle Kuzma, uh, the summer league MVP, or at least close to. I think it was summer league finals, whatever it was. Uh, he was really good in summer league, I should say. So they have some young talent. I like Lonzo. I think Lonzo on the floor. Uh, the passing is just absurd, man. Like he's his vision's incredible. The way he feels the game is incredible. I have questions about his defense because I'm not sure he can move. I don't think he's a great athlete, and that's one of the big questions I have about him offensively is just can he score? Uh, the passing stuff is real, and I think he's, he's like a sort of like a culture changer in that way. Like he really can create for other people and gets that passing infectious. We saw that UCLA. It's college. It's different, but UCLA was one of the better teams in the country just sort of immediately passing the ball because of Lonzo. Um, that won't translate necessarily all the way to the NBA right away, but like – there's stuff that stuff that I'm not worried about. But there's stuff I am worried about with him, and uh, you know, it's not it's not a lock that he becomes a star. I think he's definitely going to be a good NBA player. Um, the number two overall pick you would like to see become a star. I'm not sure he's going to be that necessarily, um, but he could be, and we'll see what happens. But no, no, nothing bad for the Lakers, which is a, sort of a landmark occasion when the Lakers don't do anything bad in an offseason. You know, it's it's been a while. They've been kind of a, a franchise in turmoil. My concerns with uh, Lonzo Ball are pretty much just him in the half court, like yeah, in which just, where yeah. Brooke Lopez comes into play because he's not obviously he's a plotting center, but like if you're gonna be running and maybe in the secondary, in which ah, this is gonna sound super on the nose, but when uh, I don't want to okay when they had Magic and Kareem, <laughs> yeah I know I. I they had Magic and Kareem. Obviously, Kareem was not like first one down the court. They ran their fast breaks, and Kareem was kind of their secondary offense. If they're going to keep Brooke around for a good bit of the year, I would feel like it would be a, a little bit more emulating of that. Not saying that Brooke Lopez is anywhere near Kareem, and and not saying that Lonzo Ball is anywhere near Magic. But that in my head is what. I'm 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 equating this to. I guess can it has to be next, said. Can we go to the next team? I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, like, no, it's never. The Lakers will get you bogged down. And listen, man, uh, just think the Lakers—they're on TV about forty times this year. So, Jeez, get excited. I, I, I won't. You'll be seeing plenty of Alonzo Ball in that ten thirty slot. I'll tell you that they, right now. They won twenty six games last year. They will struggle to make to be thirty. They might win thirty, but not many more than that. So yeah, it's gonna be we're gonna be seeing a lot, and especially in like March and April, people are gonna be like, "Why are the Lakers on?" And it's like because people ask for them. That's why. (laughs) Did Uh, did we? Not not you and I. People, (laughs) people in general. Um, All right, let's go to Memphis here. Uh, Pretty uneventful, also, and they actually still have two free agents twisting in the wind. Uh, Jamichael Green, who I mentioned a little bit before, I think is one of the. I think he's probably the most interesting guy still still on the market now that Noel has signed the qualifying offer. Jermichael Green is a really good basketball player, um, very under very under the radar because he's in Memphis and he's sort of a role player type. But I like him a lot. He's still a free agent. They also have Tony Allen, 
uh, who's unrestricted free agent, but he's been in Memphis for so long, and he's like the uh, he's kind of the one older vet who's still on the market right now. So uh, I'm not really sure what's happening with either one of those guys right now. But you know, Green they can sign kind of whenever they want to. Uh, Allen is free to go wherever he wants, so we'll see what happens there. They also lost uh, Zebo. And Vince Carter, both who signed with the Kings, we'll get to a little bit later. And uh, the, the Grizzlies also signed Ben McLemore and Tyreek Evans in a weird combination of players. Um, sort of a weird, weird one for Memphis. That not, not a lot of love for them right now. Uh, just a little bit of a sneak peek. The Vegas over/under for them was below forty. They've not oh. won. They've not won less than forty games in a decade. Um, so people are really sleeping on Memphis, and it was almost like did, I, did they lose Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol? No, they did not. Um, so I don't know where you are with them. I, I know they, the loss of Zebo is a weird one because he's been there for so long. It's been so good. I'm of the mind. He's not very good anymore. Um, well, with all due respect to Zach Randolph, who I, who I enjoy. Um, I don't think he's great. So I think they're not losing too much with that, but maybe you're different than I am on that one. Uh, I don't know where they're getting that production from. And Mike, I also Michael Green. Like- Allegedly, because they 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 seem to be clamoring to have him back at this point, <laughs> but <laughs> falling over themselves, one would say. I I think that first of all, we pay homage. Uh, R.I.P. Grit and Grind. Just gonna go just, just right out of the gate. Just that was a great era of basketball where you could just kind of like it, it matched the city, and you know it, it's a different time now. But I, it's a weird team. Um, I feel like um, they have a bunch of guys. They're not, I mean, obviously, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley are the pillars on that team. I'm interested to see if this season goes kind of how Vegas thinks it'll go, if they entertain any Marcus Gasol trade offers. Um, obviously, Mike Conley is there for, for the duration of that amazing contract. Uh, Chandler Parsons is there for... The duration of that amazing contract, I believe it was $94 million for four years. And I don't know where he's looking in terms of like uh, recovering. I don't really know where he's at with that. Um, they have wings, I mean, but just not great people. I don't. I think you're low on Tariq Evans. Is that right? Uh, I actually, I think I flipped a little bit. I think he's actually oh. undervalued now because he just okay. disappeared for so long. I never was a big fan, I will say that, and you know that, um, going back yeah. to when people thought he was going to be like a star, and I never saw that, but yeah. now that he's sort of the uh, the vet that can come in off the bench and just get buckets, like I'm actually kind of, I think I'm probably higher on him now. It's sort of a weird way that that transition happened, but it was kind of a value sign. I like that contract more than, more than I like the Ben McLemore contract. Um, uh, but how do you feel about Ben McLemore, the player? I was okay with them doing the Ben McLemore, like, thing the experiment because yeah. i think he has some talent and yeah. uh he was miscast in sacramento i actually was going to argue i think i did argue actually maybe in, in this space that the hawks should at least look um, at ben mclemore as sort yeah. of a rep- reclamation project they just paid him too much like i don't know who they were bidding against they gave him like i think it was like two years and like 10 12, million something yeah, like that. 10 12 10, million which 12, is yeah not that not that that's crazy money but memphis has like limited resources so it was like oh sure. they really like him i guess um, but yeah, getting those two guys for what they did combined was fine. I mean, they 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 need, they need the shot creation based on the uncertainty with Parsons because unless they have Parsons, they don't really have that third guy. So, you know, they they need the offense. Those guys are both offensive players. So we'll see. I also like, um, and and I know we led him with me being the like West Coast guy, but I also like the picks of Dylan Brooks from Oregon, and I like 
Ivan Rab. Ivan Rab, two Pac-12 yeah, guys for you. I, I like both of those picks. Considering, like, they actually picked for need. Like, Dylan Brooks, if Chandler Parsons isn't himself, you, you can play Dylan Brooks. Like, Dylan Brooks is, like, a pretty good player. Ivan Rab, I can see how he could fill a little bit of Zach Randolph. Like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not – you know, at this point, I mean, you can you can replicate a little bit of what Zach Randolph gave you last year. Um, so I, I I don't I don't see this as a playoff team either. Um, mainly because I just I don't see Marcus and Mike Conley holding that off. There was an offensive. They're not a great offensive team last year like any any year really like they were they were just kind of a grinded out team they were mainly based off defense and just kind of slowing the game down i think that they're going to struggle to score even more so this year um and i don't think that the, i think the defense may may take a step back as well because they're a little bit more young players yeah i'm i'm with you i don't think they, this is not i don't think this is a playoff team either it wouldn't blow me away if they made it and that but if the, if they do it'll be because Casal and Conley stayed healthy all season and parsons does something if parsons is like 80 percent of the guy he used to be then sure um but the west is just so loaded like i think they i think they're worse than memphis i think they're worse than denver i think they're worse than the clippers as long as blake is on the court like and i love Conley and Gasol. i love Conley and Gasol. i really do but like Mm. LA's talent's just better. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't quite fit as well, but like look at Memphis's roster aside from those two, aside from the big two and I I mean if Parsons is healthy, that's just a huge question mark for me. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I like Green and I like some of their pieces but like only in like in a pure supporting way. So, I don't know. Memphis always makes people look silly by doubting them. I'm not super doubting them. I think they'll still be uh, that's, that's a team I'm going to like the over on for their win total in, in Vegas because it was like 37 or something like that. I think it's going to, I like the, I like the little, a little bit over that, but you know, playoffs in the West might be 45 wins or more to, just to get the eight seed. That's how good the yeah. West is going to be. So I'm not sure they're going to get that far. They could, if everything goes right and everybody stays healthy and that includes Parsons, but a lot of ifs there for me. Yeah, I, I I think I like them over over the Clippers. That wouldn't blow me away, honestly. Yeah, so I mean, but we're like we're arguing like ninth. And yeah, that's 10th like nine and ten. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, there. so I mean, you know, just splitting hairs. Uh, all right, let's go to Minnesota, who's very interesting. Um, actually, I actually did a visit on a Wolves podcast last night to talk about Jeff Teague and some other stuff. Uh, that was fun, um, but <laughs> got me thinking about the Wolves a little bit. Um, Obviously, the Butler trade was the headliner. That was a heist of the highest order we talked about on the Eastern Conference <laughs> podcast. Uh, that was a win, obviously, for Minnesota. We can just leave it there pretty much. Uh, yeah. they, drafted, they drafted Justin Patton. They signed Jeff Teague to three years, $57 million. They signed Taj Gibson to two for 28 They gave Jamal Crawford a two-year deal. They traded Ricky Rubio for a first-round pick. Uh, Shabazz Muhammad, your boy, is still on the market right mm. now and there's some weirdness with Andrew, Andrew Wiggins max contract that seems to be happening at some point in the future but it hasn't quite been finished yet so uh, Butler we kind of talked about on the Eastern show a lot um, but I wonder how you think he fits there and then especially in the context of uh, also signing Teague and having that change from Rubio to Teague and then adding Taj to it's sort of a weird compilation that I felt like Teague was a was a play for offense and spacing more than Rubio, but then they went out and signed Taj Gibson to take all the spacing away. It's very Tibbs. Very Tibbs doing Tibbs stuff, I think. Yeah, it, it was weird mainly because 
Um, you could see him getting Butler, and you're like, oh, okay, like he's doing the Doc Rivers, like, oh, I'm getting my old guys. And then you could kind of see him getting Teague, and you're like, oh, okay, this is different. Like he's a little bit more offensive and getting rid of uh, Ricky Rubio. I, I never felt like that, that marriage was going to be very long uh, for reasons really unexplained to me. But uh, you could see him kind of going off kind of off that little kilter and you're like, okay, like maybe he's trying to shift the team and then he gets Taj Gibson. You're like, Oh, okay. Well there's that like fine. And then he, then they signed Jamal Crawford and like, ah, you just didn't get rid of Zach Levine. I, I, I don't, obviously that was a Chicago Jimmy Butler deal, but I think that it's going to be a weird fit between Teague Butler and Wiggins. Like that's going to be a weird trio. Cause I mean, Jeff Teague, Mm. He's he still really never garnered any kind of like true emotion out of me, like definitively, like oh I feel like this is a guy that's bad, or oh I think that this guy is underrated, or this guy is pretty good. Like he's just kind of above average, but like at the very average amount, <laughs> with like the, the slightest of margins. I I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I need to watch that. To see how it is, because of all of the people that we just named, uh, the guy that really, what it really comes down to is Carl Anthony Towns. Like we're we're freeing up space for Carl Anthony Towns, and if he doesn't have that, it's going to be a, a bloodbath in terms of scoring the ball, despite of all of the talent you have. Yeah, they have a ton of talent. I still think, and I've said this before, I think they should have signed George Hill and not Jeff Teague. Agreed. Um, I like. Jeff Teague, I think he is a very solid starting point guard, um, and he's a better fit than Rubio would have been. I, I also love Rubio, but like you can't tell me a worse fit for Rubio than playing next to Butler and Wiggins. That's that that would not have worked. So I, I was I was totally on board with them trading um, Rubio, getting the first round pick back, and then signing T. That was a fine exchange of uh, assets. That was uh, perfectly reasonable to get a first round pick out of it too. It, it, that works out well, but. Um, yeah, I mean, the fit stuff's interesting. We talk about it, we talk about that all day long, but I think Teague is going to be fine there. Um, I also hated the Justin Patton pick. This is sort of a secondary thing, but I don't know why you take a project center on this roster um, when you have Carl, on a, on you a have, project team, basically. <laughs> well, the, you have Towns, you have Gorgie Jang making a lot of money, you have Taj Gibson, and then you spent this like you know hand. It, this hand wrapped gift that you got from the from the Bulls and, and the Butler trade, they sent you a pick for reasons passing understanding, and <laughs> you take Justin Patton. And I, that I, was I your guy. I yeah. didn't get that. Um, but I mean, it, it doesn't. It's not going to hurt them because it's like sort of a, a free a free roll. And if Patton works out, they're going to look smart. But uh, I didn't like that. Let me say that out loud. But well, I mean, even like if you think it works out, it's like where does he play? <laughs> yeah, I'm can you play it. him with Carl Anthony Towns? I mean, maybe, no. but maybe, uh, only because yeah. Towns is a freak. I mean, sure, but I mean, what about Gorgie Jang? Like, yeah, it, I mean, that's like, that's the worst deal on their on their books, by the way. They did, they did. I mean, I didn't love the Gibson thing, but the Gorgie Jang contract from last year looks sillier now than it did then, and it looks silly then. So that was a Tibbs move that didn't make a whole lot of sense at all. Um, we can get away from the Wolves; they are uh, going to be good. At basketball, are, are you in agreement with there before we get away from them? Do you think that's going to be like a 4-5 seed in the West like I do? Yeah, I think a 4-5 seed, um, even though they've been terribly run for the last, I don't know, 20 years. Not 20 years, but oh, wow. it's close, like 15 years, maybe 14 years, something like that. It's pretty much since Kevin Garnett left. 
Uh, they've been horribly run, and they've just been shuffling. But I think that they will make the playoffs this year. Shouts to uh, David Kahn while we're here, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I feel like Minnesota gets way too much. Tibbs gets a lot of love that he shouldn't get. Um, As a though, GM, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't even attempt to GM. Uh, yet another example of, of when you're a GM and a coach, by the way, and it goes horribly wrong. There were a lot of people when, when Tibbs got to Minnesota, like, oh, man, this is a playoff team. It's like, no, it, I didn't see it. And I just want to point out for all the people who didn't hear me, I, I'm not a Tibbs guy. And I don't believe that they were going to make the playoffs last year. They, they, they won 31 games. They should make it this year. But when you throw enough talent at the wall here and flee Chicago, you should. Yeah, that's going to help uh, quite a bit. Um, let's go to the Pelicans here. We can move it along. Uh, the Pelicans, no huge high-profile things aside from paying Drew Holiday, which was always going to happen. Um, five for one twenty-five is a lot of money for him, but uh, he had them by the he had them over a barrel, and everybody knew it. Both sides knew it. He knew it, and that's what happened. They had to pay him, and they did. Uh, elsewhere, all they did really was sign Rajon Rondo, which was interesting. We talked about that, and they signed Ian Clark, and then they inexplicably traded Tim Frazier for a second-round pick, which I don't understand still to this point. Uh, they waived Quinn Cook, who's now on the Hawks, and they moved up for Frank Jackson in the draft. Um. With all that said, uh, the holiday, kind of, holiday deal, deal was fine for me. They don't have a single small four on this roster. Like, literally not one. Uh, Quincy Pondexter is the only guy who can play small forward like, as, a pref- as a preferred position. He's not played basketball in two full seasons. Um, so that's where I would start. Um, but wh- where are you at with the Pelicans? Obviously, they have two really good pieces in Davis and Cousins and a third in Holiday. But that's kind of it right now. Pretty much. No, I mean, no, not kind of. It, it, that's it. I like Eton more. I like Eton more a lot. I'll say that. Oh, and they, they have Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill's injured, which happened uh, this week. He's out. He's out. He's out like six months. So he's going to be out for half the season. So, and that's one of the few guys who can sort of fake small forward. Um, I think he's more of a power forward, but he can sort of fake small forward. That's another guy that could have played there that is no longer going to be there, and they don't. Again, man, it's it's comical to look at their wing rotation. We talked about Brooklyn's big men rotation on our on our previous podcast. Um, New Orleans' wing rotation is uh, right up there, if not even more impressive, with its uh, lack of lack of options. I was gonna say like, uh, you were talking about their small forward rotation or lack thereof. I, I wouldn't limit yourself to that. I would say that I, I don't I don't see a shooting guard amongst them. They're gonna uh, no. They're <laughs> gonna they're gonna start Drew Holiday at shooting guard. It's gonna happen. Which you know is fine. But then it's like who you're going to start at point guard, Rondo. Yeah, they've already they've awesome. already said this, which is insane. Listen, the only the best backcourt they can put on the court is Holiday and Etwan Moore. That's their best backcourt. Um, Etwan Moore is their best shooting guard on the roster, but uh, they like Rondo for some reason. Uh, I know he was they, good. He was good in the playoffs, but they man. must really hate spacing. Well, I, I, just, I don't know why you pay. I don't know how you could justify paying the holiday contract to not have him play point guard. That's my thing. That's e- fair. Even if you like Rondo, like Drew holiday at 25 million a year at shooting guard is not the value that you want. Yeah. I, I don't really understand any of it. <laughs> I don't that's, understand. That's, that's well put. I don't, I don't understand any of it. Like I don't, even let's go back last year. I don't really understand why you want Boogie. Can we let's talk about that really quick? I'm not a Boogie guy. You are. 
I, I'm, ooh, I don't know if I, I don't think I'm a boogie guy, honestly. Oh, okay. I, I, I like the trade because they Fine. didn't give up anything. Fine. Like it was, it was certainly a risk, and the personality stuff is there. And for me, Davis is a center long term. So like, yeah. there's all those things, reasons not to do it. If they'd given up a lot for him, I wouldn't have liked it. They didn't give up a lot for him. They gave up Buddy Heald essentially. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll trade Buddy Heald for Marcus Cousins. Like I'm cool with that gamble. Um, the one thing it did was sort of tweak, tweak with their salary cap, but they were already in cap trouble because this team is poorly managed and has been for quite some time. If they didn't have Anthony Davis, it would be a full-blown disaster and would get covered more as that. Um, but Davis covers up for a lot. And even then, though, like, this is not a playoff team. Not like, at all. I mean, I just they have three they have three guys who are above average, and then they have a couple guys that I think are okay, you know, and more is fine. If Rondo was a pure backup point guard, that'd be fine. Um, there's some guys on the team that can sort of play, but like you cannot go into a season with no wings. And they like the only guy I would say is an actual wing on this roster that is a good basketball player is Etwan Moore. And he's six three and a half. Like it's it's I don't I don't I don't know how they can look at the roster and do I mean I know there was a rumor today actually that they were looking at Dante Cunningham, but he's even more of a four. Like yeah, they don't not, really I don't know what they're doing. Helping. I don't get it. I um, really don't. They should probably take a stab at like Shabazz Muhammad. Something like that. I mean, I don't know with what He's money. He's a four-two, by the way. But yes, uh, fair. But you is he? Is, he's more of a three than anyone else they have on the roster, other than you know each one more. Um, back to uh, Drew Holiday, by the way. I, I just kind of looked at some of the stats really quick. Not stats, but kind of how many games he's played uh, since being in New Orleans. Uh, the most he's played last year was, was last year in sixty-seven. Somewhere that's between. always the knock on him. And listen, last year was not health. He was, with, he was with his wife at the beginning of the year. That's correct. That's not a knock on him by any means. Yes. Um, but still, the, the health stuff. I'm going to knock that. him the year before when he yes. played 65. The year before that, when he played 40, and the year before that, when he played 34. This year, past year, complete pass. I get it. And again, but, I, I don't think it's a good contract in a vacuum. And I like Drew Holiday. I always have. I think giving him five years is kind of insane. Um, but with that said, they have they had no leverage. It was basically sign Drew Holiday, or like your other option was like they would have had like twelve million left to sign a point guard, which was not going to be enough to get anybody that was a starter. I mean, they just look at, look at the market. Like every every single guy who was a starter signed for fifteen sixteen million dollars. Yeah. So like. I get it. I, I know why they did it. I'm not saying that they should have or shouldn't have. I just I, I do understand it. The problem was everything else they did. I just I don't get it at all. And uh, even I like Shabazz Muhammad. Like they don't have the cap space to give him right. a real offer. And anything that's small, Minnesota just matches. Like there's not there's no incentive for them to. I and mean, there's nobody out there. I mean, else they want to go sign Tony Allen, but is Tony yeah. Allen going to go to New Orleans? Probably not. I. Uh, to do, I don't know what. I mean, he's the only guy on the market that's like an yeah. actual proven wing commodity yeah. that's really available. And like they'd have to, the only way that they're going to get him is to, if, they, if they pay him the most, they don't really have that mechanism. Like, so I don't know. I think they're going to roll in the season with their current roster, maybe, maybe with Dante, Dante Cunningham on it because he's a guy who's familiar to them. He can, he can sort of help them a little bit, but the, the roster like, doesn't I, make sense. I feel like there'd be riots in New Orleans if you try to line up with Rondo. Tony Allen, Boogie, Davis, <laughs> Holiday. Like, 
just the regression. Just the nineties are back. Like it's amazing. At least they would defend. That'd be a fun defensive team. Yeah, it would be like a different version of uh, Memphis, maybe. Like uh, it'd with be like more, a like with worse a, spacing. Right, <laughs> right. Incredible. Uh, in in kind of a bigger point, which is New Orleans, uh, you can tell where a franchise just isn't well run, and you know ownership issues. Um, you know, in house fighting. You know, Tom Benson with his kids and third wife or something like that, where it's just they're fighting over power, and this is what happens. You know what I mean? Like they're just rosters that can accumulate themselves where people aren't like people are watching you know what i mean like and and i feel like to an extent that this ownership battle air quote battle uh is a result of that like this, this new orleans deserves better the city yeah than, uh yeah there's a whole other discussion about whether they whether they should have a team in the first place they um, shouldn't but i agree <laughs> but i'm with you all the way on that even though i like new orleans quite a bit but uh, i do can, too we can move on to okc on that note yes. um uh the uh, this is the team that you hate talking about, so I'll try, I'll try to make it quick. Thanks. Uh, for, for those of you that don't know this, people wouldn't. Is that uh, Ryan was a uh, a big supporter of the city of Seattle and the Supersonics, and is still very salty about the move. Um, he's not the only one. We've heard a lot. A lot of people in the media that uh, have affiliation with Seattle are still upset about that, and Ryan is one of them. Um, yep. But anyway, we'll breeze through this. They uh, they put they picked up Paul George. That was a that was a coup. Obviously, that trade was great. Um, they signed Patrick Patterson, three-year, sixteen million. That's an absolute heist, in my opinion. They lost, they lost Taj Gibson, but you know, getting Patterson for cheap makes a lot of sense. They drafted Terrence Ferguson, and they signed Fat Ray Felton, uh, his full t- his full name. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. But Ray Felton uh, actually was pretty good last year, sneaky, sneakily in Los yeah. Angeles. So that was a, and that's by the way, that's just to replace Samaje Christian and um, who's the other guy they have? Ronnie Price. Those are their two backup point guards. Not last bad. year, so Ray Felton is a giant upgrade there. Um, basically, it comes out of the George trade, though. I mean, I guess the Pat- the Patterson move that doesn't matter quite a bit, too, but those two moves were huge home runs, and as a result, people really think that they're going to be good. Uh, they were good last year. They won 47 games without Paul George. They overachieved quite a bit. Let's just say oh, But they were still good. They I, were. Like, we're not arguing if they're bad or not. Like, it, I mean... Them making the playoffs was not a shock. Them losing in the first round was not a shock. You you knew what was powering this team. It was uh, Westbrook, which is fine. And so good is like a relative term. I don't mean like a threat. They mean like a playoff team, which you know that's something people. Some people didn't pick them to make the playoffs. I and they had the MVP. And they have uh, the MVP. And so. Um, I think getting Paul George is amazing. I feel like Paul George is – I'm trying – I'm a super big Paul George guy. But I'm also trying to rectify that he probably isn't a number one guy. But he's definitely overqualified to be a number two guy. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. I think he's actually one of the perfect number yeah. twos for Westbrook because George – I'm with you that he's not number one, but he but – he, He's so good defensively, yep. Um, and doesn't need the ball that much because yeah. he's not really a great ball handler. That's like sort of the one knock on George is that he was never a good ball handler. So like, if we take the ball out of his hands and just let him do everything else, yep. it's kind of awesome. Um, yeah, we'll see if Russ passes it to him because Russ doesn't pass to anybody. Um, eh, yeah, unless, about unless, that. unless it's an assist, of course. Um, of course, unless he's under the basket, wide, wide opening, and he has nine assists already. But no, I. 
and I don't, I'm not crapping on Russ, by the way. That was just a just a little observation. But no, oh, the, I'll do it then. the The addition of George is great. I mean, they gave they gave up Old Depot and Sabonis, which is uh, yeah, not enough easy, for Paul George. Easy to part with, one would say. And I like both those guys, but like I it's Paul George. Um, yeah. So you do that all day, and then you know Patterson. I would argue is as good as Gibson, um, who they have at the end of the year. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not as good. I understand people don't like that comparison necessarily, but I think he's uh, more built for the Thunder because he can shoot in the way that Gibson can't. Um, so, yeah, I like that deal a lot too. So, I think Oklahoma City is going to be good. By the way, I guess this, here's the question for you. Right now, today, who finishes with more wins next year, Oklahoma City or Minnesota? Those are my four or five teams, by the way, which is why I'm asking. That's a, that's a pretty good one. I have them uh, four and five. I would probably say Oklahoma City. Me too. I think I would go Oklahoma City, yeah. I, I don't really have a reason for that. I feel like I don't really particularly care for Billy Donovan or his offensive principles. <laughs> um, but I feel like the fits are better there. I can see that fit better than I can in Minnesota. I feel like Minnesota has to still suss some stuff out before yeah. they go forward. And I feel like Paul George and Patrick Patterson and Raymond Felton are perfect fits for that team, you know, and, and can actually bring things to that that they didn't have before. Yeah, I, so. think, I think we know OKC is a bunch of grown-ups who have been there before, and that yeah. kind of is the tiebreaker for me. Um, Minnesota, I like. I mean, obviously Butler's been through some playoff stuff, and he's that's a veteran. Taj is a veteran, but the guys who really, you know, you know, between Towns and Wiggins, especially, but you know, Teague's been a playoff player too. But I don't know. I think I'll I'll default to the team that was better last year, and you know, you can argue between George and Butler who the better player is. They're probably about even. Um, but if that's the biggest chance for both teams, um. You know, Minnesota has the youth curve as well, but I'll go. The, I'll go OKC close unless something crazy happens with Russ. But that'll be fun. That'll be a nice little, especially if that's a playoff series. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, I'll say that Absolutely. between those two teams. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to Phoenix, a much uh, much lower tier team in terms of current play, but interesting team. They drafted Josh Jackson. They re-signed Allen Williams, who I absolutely love for some reason. I don't know why, but I do love him. Uh, hmm. Brandon Knight's hurt again. And uh, Alex Lynn is still a free agent. Um, he's one of the again one of the, one of these guys who's twisting, who's twisting in the wind. Um, this has been a year. I, I think the most most guys I can ever remember being still free agents in terms of restricted guys into Agreed. late August. Um, yeah. Lynn is probably the lowest profile of them, but a guy who could you know he's definitely a solid backup already, and he's super young, so uh, an, an interesting guy to at least monitor. Uh, what do you think about Phoenix in general? Because they they didn't really do a lot. There was they were sort of in the mix for Kyrie. At one point, they were in the mix for a lot of stuff around the draft, but at the end of the day, they basically just made their draft pick and they're chilling. Yeah, I mean, they're a young team um, for the most part. I think that they have some they have some talent on the team, some young talent. They have a lot of redundant parts um, over the last two or three years. Uh, I would say that um, Dragon Bender and and Chris. And then them drafting Josh Jackson, I, I feel like I don't really know how that's going to like sort itself out. Um, someone's development's going to be stunted there, um, but I, I'm not really sure what they really got to figure out. In in my eyes, really what what they're going to do with Tyson Chandler 
I mean, I guess you can kind of fade him in terms of like a, a more of a mentoring role since he's been in the league for like 15 years or something like that. But 16 years or something like that. But I also feel like Eric Bledsoe, like I feel like he is just kind of there. Like I, I feel like he could probably help another team um, more than he's helping this particular team. And I'm, I'm a big Devin Booker guy. I, I know you may think that he's a little overrated. But uh, I'm 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 high on him as like a as a cornerstone of of a, of a franchise, particularly this franchise. So, um, they're they're kind of a middling team. They were, I mean, they're it's mostly in their development, and they're not developing so far, other than Booker. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I do think Booker's a little bit overrated by some people because he scored seventy points. Um, but he, he's certainly a solid building block. I mean, he's a great, he's already a really good offensive player. He's 20 years old. Like I, I, I get all that. He's a very, very valuable piece. Um, sure. Eric yeah, 22 last year. yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they, they have Booker and blood. So that's a pretty good backcourt already. Um, yeah. the, the big question is going to be, like you said, like between Bender and Chris, um, one of those guys better hit. Like, and I, I'm not convinced either one of those guys is going to hit. I, I didn't really love, I hated the Chris pick. I'll say that I was never a Chris guy. Bender, I still kind of like, but uh, he's a, he's a ways away too. So like, if you have oh, two, okay, I was the opposite. Yeah, I was, and uh, for me, Chris, I just thought got overrated in a hurry out of Washington. I thought he was like a, a fairly bad college basketball player. I um, agree with that. I never thought I never saw him as a lottery pick. Like like as high he him going high as he is. But like me watching him, I was like okay. Versus Bender, who seemed generally lost at times. Yeah, I mean they're both talented in different ways, but. I just think you can't afford if you're Phoenix to have two top ten picks in the same draft and miss on both of them. And that's the if I had to guess right now, I'd say they both are misses. Um, okay. It's it's very early. It's only been a year, and and that's just, that's just me doing some analysis. But they can't afford to miss on both those guys. If they do, um, they're in, they're in some trouble. I do like Josh Jackson a lot, um, and I thought it was a good pick where they took him this year. But um, he, you know, some of these guys got a hit and. That's the big question now. I mean, it's, I like all the peripheral stuff they can get right. I, I like, they still have Jared Dudley. They have some vets that I think are okay, um, but they're not going to be good this year, and they'll be back in the lottery again. There's no problem with that. I mean, it's, it's just all about development, as you said, and sort of taking the next step this year, and the only guy that's done that so far is Booker. We'll see if he does another step forward because he's going to have to get better at some stuff, i.e. defense, where he's absolutely terrible right now. Um but I would yeah. say even maybe playmaking as well. I feel we like we already he, saw a little bit of that, but yeah, I think he could definitely get better. Yeah, like I mean, it it was you could see it. I think it was maybe his rookie year, um, maybe when Bledsoe maybe got hurt or something like that, where they were kind of having him a little bit more playmaking. I, I feel like that they more had him off the ball more so, but I mean, he still had room to do it. I feel like he could develop a little bit more. Um, also, a sidebar on on Phoenix, their top four players are Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, Tyson Chandler, Eric Dudley. Um, they are the four highest-played players on the team. And Shouts they, to Brandon Knight. <laughs> and, and Brandon Knight's number two. Uh, you know, and in fairness, I mean, Tyson Chandler is okay, actually. He can still sort of play yeah, no, a little absolutely. bit. Like, he can he can play. Yeah. He's overpaid. He's, he's a good vet. Yep. Um, same with Dudley. Like, Dudley can play. And yep. they 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 knew the, and they knew what they were doing with Dudley. I mean Chandler, I would argue they they thought that he was going to be better when they when they went and got him. Um, but Dudley, they knew exactly what, what they were doing. They were signing the the good vet, solid rotation guy who's good in the locker room, and that you know it's 
that's what he is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's not a good allocation of resources. That's for sure. I mean, but Bledsoe's the only guy who's earning his salary out of those guys, and and I, and I love Dudley, but he's overpaid for what he does now. So, um, yeah, not great. But and that's why you have to hit. It kind of goes back to these uh, three young guys. You better hit on a couple of these guys. So we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens. But that's yeah. going to be the whole uh, the whole franchise there for uh, yeah. for Phoenix. Um, okay, it's time. Um, you're a Portland Trailblazers fan, Ryan. I am. We've we've arrived. Um, okay. Let me just say this. Portland didn't do much. Uh, I'll sort of lay out what happened. Uh, they traded Alan Crabb for Andrew, Andrew Nicholson, and then word broke today that they were going to stretch him, which was not a big surprise, but uh, that essentially completes the absolute salary dump that that was. Um, and then uh, the only other move that they really made was uh, trading um, up from 15. They traded 15 and 20 up to 10 to get Zach Collins. And then in the, later on, they drafted Caleb Swanigan from Purdue, uh, who a lot of people like, including people listening to this podcast, that one of the Hawks to draft him. So that's basically it. I mean, the rest of the stuff was sort of, for better or worse, entrenched by the uh, the contracts from last summer. So I guess we'll just ask you, how how you feeling, man? How we, how we doing here? I feel good. Um, I think that given last offseason, I went in with the expectation of it couldn't be more volatile than, than that one, like in terms of just handing money to everyone so i I thought that they would be relatively quiet and if anything that they would make a move to kind of shed that kind of uh, a little bit of the money that they kind of overspent on uh they picked the two people in my they they picked the wrong person in my head um but i understand it just because of of interest in terms of you know brooklyn signing alan crab to that offer sheet that portland match and then trading it back to them (laughs) Um, so I, I get that. I probably would have preferred preferred Myers Leonard or Evan Turner, um, but <laughs> I like. <laughs> I know how you feel, oh, Evan Turner. Turner. <laughs> I I tried to avoid it. I, you want to just talk about Evan Turner real quick, or can I keep going? No, I, my my thoughts are documented on, at least okay. on Twitter. I, it, sure. He he's actually sort of useful. Um, yes, he happens to be making a comical figure of money. Um, it doesn't really fit either, which is always great. He he's has to be—he's the kind of guy where he has to be in the perfect spot to be good. Uh, and he's even then, he's only pretty good, right? Um, and if he's not in the perfect spot, he's really not good. And uh, Portland's—you know—him playing alongside Damon CJ is actually one of the better situations that he could be in. And we've already seen that he's still not very good. So, sure. good, good going, Neil O'Shea. Shoot your shot. <laughs> Uh, it's just one of those situations where Evan Turner, I feel like he can be this like a like a secondary ball handler, uh, with Lillard or McCollum. But it's like McCollum and Lillard are really good off the dribble, so it's like why would you could take the ball out of their hands? But yes, neither neither here nor there. That's we're getting a little too inside basketball there. But um, they traded Alan Crab. Um, I liked Alan Crab, but I understand why they moved him. Uh, Myers Leonard is still on the roster. I don't really understand why you draft. Oh, you know, you, you know why? Well, okay, they he, can't, okay. They can't My, Myers Leonard is making nine point nine million. That's why he's on the roster this coming season and going forward. Uh, they drafted Zach Collins, who I really liked in Gonzaga. I feel like he's going to seemingly be a little bit more of a project from what I saw in summer league, and I believe you saw a little bit of that too. Um, Caleb Swanigan, I feel like I didn't really have too much read on him obviously i'm not watching a lot of purdue games in college um purdue basketball 
But at the same point, he played really well, and they seem to really like him and think that he's actually going to play a lot of more minutes. I'm not really sure how he fits in terms of next to a healthy Ed Davis, um, Noah Vonley, and and Alfarik Aminu. Um, but that's not my job to like suss out in terms of like sort out minutes and everything like that. They probably will bring him along pretty pretty slowly. Um, I like Ed Davis. I feel like he's probably the most viable player to be traded, um, just because he's six ten, can play defense. I mean, and and has like a semi reasonable contract. Um, but Yusef Nurkic, that I mean, getting him back healthy is going to kind of make or break the season if he's playing anywhere near the level that he was playing when he was traded to Portland last year. I think that this is a playoff team. If he kind of falls into the bad habits that got him benched in Denver, I think that they probably will miss, miss the playoffs. That's reasonable. I think they're still they're in that range with all you know with the Clippers and with Memphis and with Denver and all these teams that there's like five or six teams for like four spots and they're one of them and we'll see. Um, sure. So yeah, I mean nothing too bad. I, I, I was on board. I mean it would have been. It would have been nicer for Portland, as you said, to get rid of Leonard or Turner, but that wasn't available to them, I don't think. So basically just saving Paul Allen some some money, and by some it's like $50 million, uh, and dumping and dumping Allen Crabb made sense. I mean, I, I kind of like Allen Crabb, but he's wildly overpaid. We all know that. So anyway, we could talk about that forever. But um, yeah, it was a pretty sil- pretty silent offseason, which was I, I, w- I would probably say nice for you after, after yeah. that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, obviously when you have – you know, Lillard and McCollum, you're obviously set at your, your backcourt positions and they have their flaws. Hopefully, you know, they develop a little bit more uh, defensively. Um, that could help, you know, the perimeter, other perimeter play. Um, I mean, I'm interested to see Mo Harkless. I'm, I'm interested to see if he kind of develops a little bit more um, in terms of a three and D guy. I mean, he was last year, but you, you kind of want him to develop a little bit more. I want a full healthy, like a, a healthier Aminu. I feel like he was kind of a linchpin. Like he's like a very important player before the Nurkic trade. Um, and he was hurt. And so obviously they kind of went in the tank a little bit because there's not a lot of other defense. And you're, are you buying Noah Vonley still? You're four? Still. I was never buying Noah Vonley. I just thought I'd ask. I, cause At any I, point. No, I, it's actually same sort of thing as, Ty, as Tariq Evans. Uh, yeah. I really, really did not like Noah Vonley in the draft and said as much. Uh, now that no one cares about him anymore, I think he's undervalued. Like he's, he, I think he's an NBA player. Like he's fine. Yeah. Um, and he's cheap and it's fine. I don't, I don't think he's much better than that, but he's still super young. So I've come around on him a little bit as a, as a pure like 10th man role player. It's fine. Um, and he, he could be useful. I'm not... What, what I, I will say before we get away from Portland, um, much needed just for time's sake, is that yeah. I, I don't really understand using both of their picks on bigs. Um, Fair. With Colin, I I like Collins. I kind of like Swanigan and where they where they where they picked him. Um, I just don't I don't get that when you have Nurkic and you have you already have this log jam um, to take two more guys. Who, I think both those guys are centers. Honestly, I think both Collins and Swanigan are both centers for me. So okay. Like taking two, I mean, I guess Swanning is not a pure center, but Collins is. I mean, Collins is absolutely a center in the NBA as it currently is. And to take two of those guys when you already are super invested in Nurkic, I don't really understand. But 
Anyway. You could probably get another combo guard with probably that Swanigan pick, but just do something else. Like don't don't just take guys who were locked in would be my thing. Yeah. I guess I'm all for best available. I guess that's probably what you do there. I just yeah, you know, ideally to not add two more bigs would have not been uh, would have been a little bit better. But um, anyway, let's get away from yeah. the from the Blazers um, and to the Kings. Couple only a couple teams left. I promise we'll get we'll get out of here in a hurry here. Um, the Kings did a lot of weirdness. This offseason, they uh, first of all in the draft they made four picks: uh, De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, and Frank Mason in the second round. Um, and then they um, also brought over um, Bogdanovich from Europe, who was arguably the best European player available. That's basically they'll have five rookies this year, all of whom are interesting and people who know who all of those guys are. Uh, and then they went out also and signed George Hill to a big money deal. They signed Vince Carter to a one year deal, and they signed Zebo to a two year twenty four million dollar deal. So a lot of overturn, a lot of young guys, and then they have now these three vets um, to go along with like Garrett Temple and people like that. So, I mean, the Kings did a ton of stuff. I don't want to go through necessarily all of it, but my biggest question, aside from the draft guys, would be like, what do you think about them just going out and getting these vets and like paying like top dollar for, you know, Hill was pretty obvious because he's he's really good, but like paying top dollar for Zebo and Vince right now is kind of a weird move, right? Uh, absolutely. I, I was go- when you were cycling through everything that they did. I made a note in my head to say I loved everything they did during the draft. Same. And then, then when they started signing people outside of the guy um, from uh, Europe, outside of that, I was like, I hated every signing that they did. <laughs> um, I get why they're doing it, sort of. Um, no, I, okay, I. I get why they bring in Vince Carter. I get why you bring in Zach Randolph. Now, Vince Carter more so. Uh, I'll, I'll make the jokes for Toronto that you know he's you know quit on them. But I think that you need veteran leadership because you, you know when you just have like five rookies, like you said, it's blindly in the blind. You need someone to teach you how to be a professional. Your coach can't do that. You absolutely need to have players around you that tell you how to do it. Zach Randolph is one of those guys. Aside from his recent arrests, um, you know, and like in Los Angeles, but before that, he was a model citizen in Memphis and a, a person that people he could take under. He would take people under their wing and teach them how to be professionals. George Hill, I have no reason why I, they brought him in. Um, George Hill's good. George Hill is still like in his reasonable prime. You signed De'Aaron Fox. I don't see why you wouldn't just play him and just go for it. You bring in Frank Mason. You drafted him as well. I let the I would let those kids go and let them play. You have Buddy Heald out there. Like let those guys like grow together and all of those and, and and all of that. George Hill kind of stumps that in a way. Um, but uh, I mean, largely they had a good off season, which is. I don't. I can't think of the last time I said that for a Sacramento team. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the hill the, the hill deal more than you do, but I also don't necessarily like it. Um, I like it more because he can play off the ball. If he was a pure point guard, like if, if they had signed Jeff Teague to the same deal, which Teague got the same deal in Minnesota, like pretty much exactly. If they had signed Teague instead of Hill, I would have absolutely hated it. Um, as is with Hill, I still don't like it, but like I sort of get get it since he can he can play off the ball and sort of mentor Fox a little bit. I still would have done it, but that makes sense. They gave him $57 million. The third year is non-guaranteed, so it's not quite as much as that, but it's, yeah, it is, it's too much. I, mean, okay. I would have done it. I'll say that. Again. Pay, they're paying him $20 million next year. How about that? Yeah, I mean, again, 
I wouldn't have done it, and I, I, I'm with you. I understand why they did it. It makes a little more sense because he can play off the ball. I just don't know why you do that. I guess the rationale being that um, they don't really have their pick. I don't know. It's a weird one, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I, I especially don't get the Zebo deal. That, that one makes no sense Two at 20. all. Sure. Because that's, by the way, that's an, over, that's an overpay for him. I mean, at least with Hill, you know he's good. Yeah, um, Zebo was quietly not that good last year, efficiency wise. Like he put up some big numbers, like on a per minute basis, but because sure. he shot the ball a lot, he's not he's not shy. But he's he's the guy who's really he's definitely past his prime. He's going to get older. Um, yeah, I didn't love that. Vince for one year is fine. He's he's a tutor, and now it seems like he's one of those rare stars that made, that made the transition really well to a role player. So I get that one a little bit more. But I don't know. All, I'm with you 100 percent on the draft picks. All, all four of those guys I like. Quite a bit. The guys they lost in free agency, you know, Ben McLemore, Ty Lawson, Rudy Gay, Langston Galloway, Tyreek Evans, um, Darren Collison, Darren Collison Aaron Flalo. Those guys are all, you know, bye, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, if you're the Kings, you don't care about those guys being gone. You're, you're, you're in a full building mode at this point in time. So go super young. I get all that. So, yeah. I'm, I'm not, intrigued by De'Aaron Fox. I like De'Aaron Fox, too. I'm intrigued by Harry Giles. Yeah, he's an ultimate upside pick, and I was cool with that. Like, Giles was super risky, um, but when you're a team that has three first-rounders, you can afford to take the risk on Harry Giles. That makes a lot of Absolutely. sense. So Absolutely. that's why you do that. You swing for the fences. They still have Scal. Um, you know, if you, three years from now, if Scal and Harry Giles both hit, good luck. Those guys are going to be monsters. Uh, Scal yeah. already was showing some flashes last year. So I kind of so, like what the Kings are doing in general, even if I didn't love the veteran stuff that you didn't like either. Sure. Uh, the Spurs, we can breeze through because they didn't do much. They paid Patty Mills. Manu is back. Thank God. Love Manu. Never retired. Absolutely. Um, Please. They lost Deadman, um, who's now a member of the Hawks, of course. They lost John Simmons and David Lee. Um, and then they signed Rudy Gay um, to a two-year deal with a second-year player option. That's basically it. They, they, they were thought to be a team that was preparing for a big swing, but Chris Paul was reportedly the target, and then he, he never hit the market. So they never got, got, never really got to do much. Um, I mean, kind of boring. I mean, if you if you have a hot take on the Spurs, I'd love to hear. It. I don't really have one aside from they're just kind of doing Spurs stuff, and I wish they had done more. But it's kind of business as usual ish. Uh, I hate that they lost Jonathan Simmons and then paid Rudy Gay. Yeah, I for some reason they just didn't seem to love Jonathan Simmons. Like they didn't play him a lot this last year. There were spurts in the playoffs where he played more, but. Um, him getting away for as cheap as he did definitely surprised me. I kind of like Rudy there. I, I've never been a Rudy Gay fan, um, but getting him as cheaply as they did, I mean, obviously it's because of the injury. Um, I think yeah. if, if he's going to hit anywhere, it's going to be there. So I understood that. I kind of like that deal sneakily, but I'm with you on Simmons is that it's not like he got this massive overpayment somewhere. Like he took a pretty reasonable, I think it's like three for, like three for 19, three for 20. That's yeah. pretty darn cheap, and I'm not sure why the Spurs didn't just pay him. That's kind of yeah. I, I don't really understand that at all. I, I think that I don't know. Rudy Gay is Rudy. Like, Rudy Gay is who he's always been, and maybe yes. a lesser expense uh, with with his injury. John Jonathan Simmons. I feel like you can. You can he's still getting better. I feel like um, they they are going to have to rely on their young guys this year. I feel like um, Murray kind of came on late last year. Um. They need him a lot um, with Tony Parker being out, which is hilarious to say at, you know, year, I don't know what, 15, 16, something like that. Um, 
and, and Patty Mills, I don't really know what they're doing. Like, they're kind of just, like, where, where do you think this is going with them? They retain Paul, like, Paul Gasol. Yeah, that was the weird one for me, was Gasol, like, they clearly, I don't want to say clearly, it seems like they had an off-book agreement with Gasol to basically take less if they got a big guy, and then they would pay him more if they didn't, um, which is illegal. But they, uh, you're throwing some big big allegations around. It's going to put that out there. No, that's that's out there. Everybody everybody said that basically. It's okay. not like that. It's, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know that to be true. But most <laughs> most people believe, based on the fact that they gave Powell a three year deal for no apparent reason, sure. um, that that's had something to do with that. Which is, I mean, he was their guy, so it's not like it's tampering. Yeah. It's not as uh, as it's not as crude as it, as it would have been if they had uh, gone outside the organization. But um, Otherwise, that deal makes no sense what whatsoever. They they yep. they clearly paid more than anybody else would have even come close to paying for Pagasol, who's still a useful player. But um, yeah, I don't understand that one much. They're going to be really good because Kawhi is really good and the whole organization is really good. But um, their ceiling is not hugely high for me this year, um, unless it, it's going to take something like De- like like the Jonte Murray breaking out for them to have a really high ceiling this year. Obviously, they're going to win fifty games again plus. Unless Kawhi gets hurt, otherwise they're going to be uh, awesome. Uh, it's just how awesome they're going to be is uh, I mean, the ceiling is pretty low now, honestly. And when, when compared to the other top tier tiers, when you when you don't have a really they don't really have a big guy that can play um, yeah. in a in a series with the Warriors. Like they could have at least faked it with Dwayne with with Deadman uh, last year because he was more athletic. Um, now it's Pagasol, and they don't. I mean, LMA is LMA. Like you know him well. He's fine. Um, I'm trying to go through this entire preview without saying anything negative about Lamarcus Aldridge, and, and we succeeded. So let's go away from let's go away from the Spurs, uh, awesome. for now, and wrap this thing up with the Utah Jazz. Cool. We had a wild offseason um, in a number of ways. They lost Gordon Hayward, of course. Um, before that, though, they kind of went all out to keep him. They went and they went and traded the pick for Ricky Rubio that we referenced earlier in Minnesota, and they signed Joe Ingles, who I love unconditionally to a four-year, $52 million contract that is way too much money for Joe Ingles. Agreed. Um, but they did go out and make the deal for Donovan Mitchell, um, which was the trade-up with Denver. That was a really, really smart move, and Mitchell looked great in summer league, so I like that investment a lot. Otherwise, they lost Boris Diaw and Jeff Withy and Shelvin Mack. They signed Thomas Afalosha, Ekpe Udo, former Michigan and Baylor player who was spent some time in Europe, was really good there, and uh, Jonas Jerebko. So, obviously losing Hayward, it's going to be a losing offseason. That's just what happens. He's their best player, or at least right. one of their two best players with Rudy Gobert. Um, right. So, that, that's a huge blow. How do you think they did outside of that? Because, obviously, that's not really in their control. Uh, I always felt like Utah was was uh, kind of prided themselves on depth um, versus any, like, one great guy. Um, obviously, losing your best guy hurts, but I feel like – if there was ever a team to lose their guy in free agency and still be okay, I think it's Utah. I think um, somewhere between the um, immortal Joe Johnson and Rodney Hood, I feel like you can make up a little bit of what Hayward gave you. Um, I think getting Ricky Rubio is a really good move. Um, I like Ricky Rubio. I think he would do as well. I think losing, maybe losing George Hill in terms of um, just kind of being outpriced by Sacramento. <laughs> um, 
will do it. But, I mean, Ricky Rubio is good in his own right. He has his own flaws, but I, I still think it's really good. Um, Jonas Jarebko, I feel like he can play. Um, they have not, like they have like 12 guys who can play, again. Yeah, like, right. If you look at this roster, man, they're, they're too deep at least at every spot. Like, you may not yep. love all these guys, but... Even it's like even you know Bigs they have Gobert and Favors and Jarebko and Udo who was really good last year, your league MVP, um, and and Ingles could play some power forward. They still have Joe Johnson. They have Thomas Evolosha for some reason. Like I who could still yeah. play. Like sure. they have all these guys. I mean Alec Burks is still making a lot of money, and if he's ever healthy, can play. Dante Exum is a thing. Like it, it was a top five pick. We'll see. If he'll actually I think he might play a little bit more this year, but. They just have guys everywhere. Like they don't. Gobert is their only star now, but like they're just—it's a typical they, jazz team. Honestly, they're just so yeah. Deep. They, they have, and I, I think um, I, I hope Dante Exum kind of takes a step forward. Um, I, I liked the some of the stretches that he had, but I feel like obviously they were trying to win now. So obviously George Hill gets a little bit of that, you know, uh, mix there. I feel like. With Ricky Rubio, I feel like both of them can kind of play together. I think they, they maybe even be able to play together for a, a small stretch when Alec Burks get hurt get gets hurt. Um, Joe Ingles, I, I feel like he was overpaid, but like he does good things. I feel like Donovan Mitchell, everyone's been r- ramming him down my throat um, this entire summer. So I, is he what, – what, where are we playing him? That was the question I had coming into the draft, and the only reason why I didn't have him as a top as, a, as like a top eight or nine guy is because I wasn't sure what, what position he played. Yeah, because he's like six three, but he has a six ten wingspan. Oh, is that true? Yeah, but like he needs the ball, so like he's not a point guard, but he's not ideal as a shooting guard. But I do think he's going to be a shooting guard because of just the way that he plays. He's more of a scorer. Um, defensively I really like him a lot like he's super long and athletic and he shot the ball better than I thought he would um in this this summer it's it's also it's all small samples I think I think he's going to be a shooting guard um ultimately honestly if Exum popped I was going to say you can yeah totally play him with them yeah that that would be ideal as if you had a, a bigger point guard yeah that um I mean this is going to sound funny the perfect guy to play Donovan Mitchell with is like George Hill <laughs> Because <laughs> um, George Hill doesn't really need the ball, and right. Mitchell kind of does offensively. Um, but yeah, I think you you have to kind of be willing to not care about what position he plays. But defensively, like most of the time, those kind of guys who are positionless are really bad defenders, like your Lou Williams types, um, right. like your Jamal Crawfords. But Mitchell is a guy who is positionless offensively, but like is kind of a monster at least at least uh, projection wise as a def- as a defender because he's so long. So, like, it's a really weird, uh, unique, and fun player. I like him a lot. Uh, and he was really good in the summer. I don't think he's going to be that good. People, I mean, there was people, like, picking him for Rookie of the Year, which is wow. that's a little bit aggressive. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be good. I like him a lot. And he just kind of fits in again with Utah. They start, you know, Rodney Hood's going to shoot the ball a lot. They got – they're right in that mix, too, by the way, with all those teams we talked about earlier with Denver and the Clippers. I was going to ask you if it, you think there. this is a playoff team. I feel like it probably is. I, I – don't I think that they make the play? I don't think they're going to be a four or five seed or anything like that. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were a seven seed. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, they the one thing is they really need Rodney Hood to be good. That's the only thing that I think that and could healthy. sink them is if Rodney Hood is not good or healthy because yeah. he's really their only like wing score. I've sort of written off Alec Burks at this point. If Alec Burks does anything. Okay. 
that's fine. Um, but Hood, I mean, like, they're one addition, but yeah. we're not relying on him. I mean, Favors, they played without kind of for like half of last season. Uh, that's it'd be nice to have him healthy as well. And obviously, you know, Go Gobert is the one guy they can't live without. Obviously, that goes without saying he's their best player by far. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this is going to be like a 44 win team, 45 win team. Derek Favors had a weird year last year, just kind of mentioning that. Like, he's I, banged I still, up and yeah. Um, is there like a fit issue with him and Gobert? I feel like there might be a little bit in today's NBA. I mean, they they've sort of embraced it a little bit with their defense with their defense first lines. And most of last year was that Favors was just not healthy. And by the time he got healthy, it was like March, and they'd already yeah. been playing without him for so long that he was sort of in this limited role. I look forward to seeing what they do this year, especially without Hayward, because you know Favors. You could easily argue as their second best player. I'm yeah. not sure I would argue that anymore, but like he has their second most talent, I think. Uh, he's still super young, by the way. Um, he's like 26, 25, something like that. Yeah, Favors yeah. has been around forever, but he's 26. He just right. he just turned 26. Wow. Um, I mean, he was drafted in, in 2010 because he was a one and done guy at Georgia Tech. So, that's, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's a he's a career like 10 and 8 guy. Um, right, but it's been more than that, really. I mean, I don't know. I think he's probably a center, which is the other problem is that he's, you know, Gobert is obviously the the biggest key to this team. But I don't know. They have a lot of guys that are really well coached. They have they have they're gonna have some balance. There's some guys they can't afford to uh, be without. But I like Utah. I'm gonna be higher on them than most people are all year. It seems like that. It seems like I always am with Utah. Is that I think I, I just like what Quinn Snyder does um, scheme wise. I like Gobert. I value defense, and so do they. So it's one of those teams that I've always enjoyed. We'll see if it pops and becomes a playoff team because there's so many teams, again, that we, as we keep saying, they're going to be in that mix. But they're definitely one of them. They're around. Yeah, and they're, they're too good. He's too good of a coach, and he actually has talent, which sometimes really good coaches like Miami or Dallas or something like that where they don't have enough talent and you have to like basically fix this, essentially. But... Utah has enough talent to make the playoffs in a deep West. They do. They have uh, they have plenty of talent. There's no question about that. All right, man. We, we, we made it to the end. It only took us an hour and forty minutes. So uh, yeah, here we are. It's about the same as last time. So we did we did yeah. reasonably well. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I appreciate it, Ryan. Uh, most of the time, I have people plug what they do. Um, people should follow you on Twitter at least. Eh, not great. It's whatever. I just again, I just retweet, make fun of people. Um. And uh, mostly me, to be honest. Mostly you, but you know, I try to keep it even. But yeah, don't follow me. It's you know, if you do, cool. Say hi. <laughs> if not, whatever. That is the uh, not not a, not a typical plug on this podcast, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it um, you playing yeah. it down. And listen, man, it's college football season. I know you're really excited about that. So. I am super excited. I'm planning on going to all of the UGA games this year. It's going to be great. I don't want to get into it, but it's going to be a great year. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, sir, for three hours of your time to uh, podcast about both conferences, and we'll uh, we'll have you on again for, during the season for sure. For some reason, we'll find a reason to get you on because awesome. that's what we do. Feel. Uh, as for everybody else, you could you could you, sh- you should follow Ryan. I don't care what he says on Twitter, and uh, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You've made it this far. We really we really appreciate it. Um, Definitely frequent SeatGeek, who was one of our biggest sponsors as well. I recommend them always. Uh, they're not particularly sponsoring this this today's uh, episode, but they're uh, always around. Please use their service. Uh, follow us on Peachtree Hoops 
for all my writing uh, at peachtroops.com, at peachtroops on Twitter and Facebook, as well as my Twitter feed at BT Roland, all those fun things. And we'll see you guys probably not till next week, but at the very latest, we'll see you guys after Labor Day. So please enjoy a safe weekend, and we'll see you guys then.